Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Perry. We had another great conversation today talking about things including what it looks like to assess movement and address those faults properly, how we go about changing people's habits or helping them change their habits, and then we dove in a little bit into what imaging may or may not mean for you. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how is it going today? Hey, Brianne, I am doing very well today. We got a nice, another beautiful day here in San Diego. But as I say on all of our podcasts, it's always beautiful down here. So uh, <laughs> we're very, very lucky. Um, and uh, it's hot, but it's not too hot. It's like right in my comfort zone right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> How's AZ right now? We are uh, in another heat advisory for, I think, another two days maybe. So it was cooling down and now we're back into like the 113, 115 range. But, you know, good we to- just... Here we're used to it. We just go with it. Yeah. I mean, the good thing is you can now bake your cookies and cook your steak and all that kind of stuff outside, you know, just on the sidewalk. and Absolutely. You know. <laughs> Close air dries in like five minutes. It's awesome. Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. You're, no, you don't have any tires melting or anything yet, right? <laughs> no tires melting. We're good there. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to talk again and I love these conversations that we always have just hashing out whatever randomness comes to our minds yes (laughs) um and what I want to start with today is kind of a I want to say a different topic but talking about like how are we providing exercises to people like it's so often that when I talk to someone who's been going to therapy for a while it's like I swear or like knee pain, I hear the same like 10 exercises on a regular basis. And it's, you know, in my mind, it's doing such a disservice. Like if all we're doing is these cookie cutter exercises, like are we really paying attention to the person and what their actual movement dysfunction is, like what's specifically causing their pain? So that's what I wanted to dive into today is this like how, how we go about figuring out like what is going to best serve a person. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good topic and something, you know, I know we're both pretty like passionate about, you know, is, uh, you know, someone comes into you with back pain and you give them clamshells, you know, and everyone's done the clamshells. Everyone I've ever met has done some clamshells, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, um, and, you know, it's it's important and it's the as us being physical therapists, you know, this skilled, quote unquote, you know, a portion of stuff should be part of our, should be our exercise prescription, right? Our ability to kind of, you know, be diagnosticians to diagnose things, um, soft tissue injuries and um, exercise prescription. And if every single person who comes through the door with back pain gets, gets, uh, gets the clamshells or every person who comes in with knee pain gets ex- exercise, um, how is that specific? How is that skilled, you know? Not saying, those are bad exercises. I don't think there are any bad exercises. Um, it's just what's the purpose of it, right? Um, just because I got 15 minutes with someone? <laughs> <laughs> so. And, you know, that's, an, that's a great point. It's something I point out a lot with people is like, there's really no bad exercise. There's really, in theory, there's no, like, perfect way to do an exercise. It all depends on what the purpose is. And even the same exercises, like I'll tell one person, like, pay attention to what your hips doing. And I'll tell them another person, like pay attention to what your foot's doing just because their problems are different and they need to focus on different areas. So I think that's a huge thing to point out is that like every exercise should serve a purpose for like why you're doing it, not just doing it because your hips are weak yes 100 percent. and yeah you know i you know if i have four knee pain patients in a day i might give or, or sorry four lower body patients a day in a day i might give all of them squats 
but they're all for different purposes, mm-hmm. right? And if someone asks me why, I'm like, oh, well, this person needs help with their ankle stability. This person needs help with their knee tissue tolerance. So maybe we're going a little bit deeper. You know, this person needs help with hip mobility, you know? Um, but again, I mean, like, that's the the why. I don't think there are any necessarily novel exercises. Everyone's probably done every type of exercise, you know, um, that we could ever create as humans. But um, but it is, it is the why. And why is that specific to this person beyond, you know, uh, oh, well, his knee hurts, so that's why I give this to him. Um, and that's why I give to, to everybody. Um, and so it's this highly individualized, you know, plan that I think us as physical therapists are capable of doing. It's just unfortunately, um, from my experience and my practice, um, you know, who typically gets people who have failed other conservative treatments, you know, it's like, okay, well, like, let's, let's go down this road now. How often are you like looking at someone and just creating an exercise for them just because like, cause I know a lot of times I'm looking at someone, I'm like, they have this thing going on. I'm like, I need to figure out how to make them do this. And I literally just be like, all right, let's do this random thing. And so I'm like, there's a lot of, part of the reason my YouTube channel is so big is because of that. Cause I'm just like, like we need to fix this. So let's create this. <laughs> no, I absolutely love that. And, uh, it's, uh, uh, problematic because I can't keep up with the videos on my own YouTube channel and with my patients' exercises because they're like, we do something based off how they came in the, in the day. I'm like, okay, well, let's do something like this. They're like, oh, that's amazing. Do you have a video for it? I'm like, I do not right now <laughs> because I just made it up. <laughs> you know, I'll make it for you they, tonight. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it for you tonight, exactly. You know, but it is based on exactly how they presented that day. So... <laughs> If we can find these solutions to that, that would be great. Just someone following me in real time and recording <laughs> exercises as I'm prescribing them. <laughs> I've thought about that in my past. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, it, it, it just continues to go to the, uh, the, the personalized approach because, you know, you can squat probably over 150 or 200 different ways, right? And, you know, it's just about why why are you doing it? And um, again, you know, I always challenge people in our profession, including myself, you know, to, you know, think a little bit deeper than, you know, we give everybody squats because, mm-hmm. you know, great exercise. I love it. But, but why? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and even, you know, with my runners, I really harp a lot on we need single leg control we need single leg strength but even my runners I'm giving regular squats just because they are so inefficient in a number of ways and um yeah so all exercises are good it's just a matter of what's your goal with it yeah you know I I know you you know work very very intimately and successfully with uh with your your runners and 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 athletes and if someone is coming you with pain and you know say oh well i run you know you don't give them the the runner's protocol you're like okay well at what point in the phase of running is something hurting you know how long after you finish your run is you know um is the pain you know happening you know all those kind of different 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 factors so um i just think it's so important to uh you know again be that skilled person that diagnostician Mm And I think too, remembering in this process that the body is a full thing and we, you know, we need to look up and down the chain for what's causing it. Like I just evaluated someone here recently who has had knee pain for the past year, all soft tissue, nothing like in the joint and watching her move. It is a chicken or the egg thing, like what caused what, but huge, like SI shouldn't say huge SI dysfunction, but definite SI dysfunction causing her to shift her weight when she's squatting, causing her to then like cause rotational um, compensations. And so it's like most people look at like, oh, there's tightness around the knee. Let's breathe that tightness. Let's treat the knee. And wholly overlook the fact that the tip-fib joint wasn't moving well and the ankle wasn't moving well and the SI joint wasn't moving well. So, Brianne, if I'm hearing you correctly, 
just for all the listeners, are you trying to say that it's all connected? That the body is all connected with each other? <laughs> Every joint is connected with each other? <laughs> absolutely what I'm saying. Okay, I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, we can't just zone it or, you know, get hyper-focused on, on, on one area, right? Um, that is a huge point. We have to um, look abroad because, you know, um, like you said, the um, sacroiliac joint for everyone listening, you know, the hip, you know, um, your pelvis joint, you know, if that's not working right, guess what? That's causing problems down the, down the, uh, down the chain. And so what I always kind of like talk to some of my patients about, um, you know, is there's, um, there's signs and symptoms, right? The symptoms are, ouch, this hurts. I want it to not hurt in my knee. But the signs are everything else going on that you and I are seeing, Brian, you know, um, up and down the chain that are cause that's causing that knee to hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, Yes, we need to work on the symptoms because that's why they came in to us, but we have to do it by looking at the signs. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why, like, I tell a lot of people, it's like, yes, we want to treat your symptoms to calm whatever inflammation, irritation is going on, but then let's dig deeper and find that cause. Because we can treat the symptoms all day and you'll be back here in six months, if not sooner, with more issues. Yeah, we can give you temporary relief or long-term relief, you know. I mean, hopefully in a perfect world, we're kind of doing doing both, but much more towards that that long-term function because, uh, you know, I'm not sure about your practice, but like I said, you know, a lot of people um, ha- uh, who see come to see me are, you know, have been treated acutely, um, but not with the long-term um, uh, success. Mm-hmm. You know, they keep getting re-injured or whatever the case is. So cause of dysfunction. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, mine, I'm the same way. Like I typically get the ones who I've seen, not always, but typically get the ones who have seen other people and continue getting injured. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I personally feel in my practice, you know, I'm not doing anything um, crazy novel, but I am intimately listening to what the person's saying. Cause I do feel like, personal typically tell you what's going on and it might not say they might not say you know i have a limited posterior tibial glide in my knee joint or like whatever but you know they're kind of telling you you know in layman's terms right and so uh, i personally feel if we're listening um adequately we already have a lot of information and then it's just kind of confirming you know um, our beliefs from there Um, and of course as you said looking at the overall person yeah definitely um how often especially when you're dealing with these like chronic injuries and maybe they make sense maybe they don't make sense how often then are you digging into nutrition in the form of like are they under fueled are they not absorbing nutrients like at least starting to have those conversations yeah great point and speaking of treating the whole person right um yeah i mean nutrition is so important and when I hear someone saying you know I'm a I'm a single mother and I'm busy and I'm like trying to get my workouts in and I'm doing this that and the other has the whole world on their shoulders you know one of the first places I'll go is with you know nutrition hydration and sleep mm-hmm. right um, because you know um, sometimes you know by just tweaking those kind of things you're already setting this person up for success because you can't heal if you don't have the adequate amount of nutrition, hydration, and sleep, you know, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. On all <laughs> Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, yeah, how about yourself? Because I know you, Brian, um, more so than me, you know, you're so effective with, um, you know, with the nutritional components and, and, and all of that. That's a huge passion of yours, um, you know, I mean, are you addressing that with everybody? Uh, you know, some people, most people. Yeah, definitely not everybody, but there's definitely like people that, as I get into conversations and they're saying different things about different injuries, that I'll just bring it up just as a, a question to kind of see like what their eating habits look like, and the, you know, to see if there's an underfueling aspect. Just because there are people that sometimes like 
where they're getting injured or the type of injury or how they're getting injured just doesn't add up to what the injury is. And, and so then those are always ones I'm going to look deeper and like see what else might be going on. Yeah. You know, the, the body doesn't do anything on accident. It, we might not understand always how the body is reacting a certain way, but the body knows what it's doing, right? And if it's shutting down and we can find no maybe movement faults or soft tissue, you know, um, things that are contributing to it, then, yeah, we have to look deeper and see, well, okay, there's, there's something else going on. Um, as I tell people, the body won't just wake up one day and decide it wants to be, you know, hurt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be hurt today. <laughs> yeah. If that's the case, I want my body to wake up one day and say, yeah, I want to run a marathon and can run a marathon today. And just go. <laughs> <laughs> just go. <laughs> no warm-up. <laughs> no warm-up, no training. We're just going to do it. We're doing it today. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, um, and, and this goes, you know, not just for lower body injuries. I mean, for, you know, shoulder pain and nutrient intake or lack of, you know, we, we have this society, just one more thing about the nutrition, you know, where I don't want to say we feel like it's cool by any means, because I know we don't, but we have, we're in this hustle culture. We're always doing stuff, right? And then it's like, oh, well, you know, whatever, I eat when I can. So yeah, you know, you need to be eating. <laughs> you need to be drinking water. You need to be doing that. And sometimes that's, that's me too, right? You know, I'm no holier than thou, because, uh, you know, uh, there'll be days when I only get one meal in a day. Um, but you have to be consistent and mindful of that as a um, just a part of well-being. And I know it sounds silly to say, but to practice it is a lot more difficult. So just to be honest, I've never understood people who are like, I forgot to eat or just like, I didn't like, I just didn't have time to eat because I'm like, I make that a priority. <laughs> like, I've never been someone in my life who's like, I just forgot to eat today. <laughs> like, that's not really a thing for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That is awesome. <laughs> and for someone who loves eating food as much as I do, like for me to like not be able to eat, it's like, well, what's, what's wrong with me? And, but again, that's, that's priority. And I, I'm, I'm letting everyone know that, you know, Hey, like this stuff can be difficult, but it also can be prioritized and yeah. um, you can make a correction. That's not cool to, you know, be underhydrated, underslept and all of that. Yeah. Um, and don't get me wrong, there may be days that because of when I have like call scheduled or things going on that I eat my lunch over the span of like three hours because it's like, oh, I'll eat these veggies now, I'll eat this protein then and just like Or sometimes thirty out. seconds, right? No, it's good. That's good. Um so yeah, um we just need to treat it as um as it is. Um and and again, just be mindful and work on stuff. So um, this kind of brings me up to like another, you know, thought about really habits in general, but, you know, learning to take a hole, which is, you know, maybe in this case, uh, you know, knee pain or, or, or nutrition or, you know, something like that. And how do we break that down, you know, to have tangible habits that we're building up? Because, you know, um, as they say, movement is habitual, mm -hmm. right? You know, um, if you had any, you know, um, you know, success with, you know, kind of breaking down some of these habits and really kind of building things back, back up for people. Are you talking like movement pattern habits? Yeah, okay. movement pattern habits. Um, and, and yeah, just, I guess, maybe habits and in general. Okay. Um, you know, with... I think you've read the book too. I, mean, I was kind of already going this way before I read the book, but um, the book Atomic Habits kind of really dives into this great and you can put it to life habits or, you know, we can talk about it in the form of movement patterns too, but really finding like making those small little changes at a time. So when we're talking about life habits, um, one thing I do with people who just like really struggle getting water in is like get 12 to 16 ounces of water when you wake up in the morning. Cause I mean, and then I had that conversation that like your body's dehydrated all night, you're breathing out. You don't just breathe out air, you breathe out moisture too. Your body's fully dehydrated in the morning. And so if you can start that morning by just getting water in 16 ounces, like 
you're done with 16 ounces already for the day. So if you struggle getting a hundred ounces in, well, guess what? You just got almost a fifth of that, like super easy. Um, so like just making small little changes and tweaks to people is super helpful. Um, when it comes to actual movement, I really just, I fully look at how they're moving and really figure out like what's breaking down where and figure out like, now that there's like a best, like if these three things are breaking down, like this is the number one to address. It's not always like that, but like figuring out where am I gonna get the most bang for my buck? Like if I correct this, is it also gonna impact these other things? And just figuring out what small little movement tweak, exercise, corrective exercise, thing like that, can I give someone to start addressing this movement pattern change? Yeah, super cool, you know, and what I heard from, from both of those, the, the uh, hydration as well as the, you know, um, kind of fitness rehab aspect is starting with kind of some little tweaks, right? And those little tweaks can have huge dramatic effects in a positive direction, um, but it is starting, starting small, you know, we're not, when someone's not walking into our clinic, we're changing everything that they do as far as how they run, how they squat, how they do all this kind of stuff in one session, um, because that would overwhelm somebody. Um, and then guess what? When someone's overwhelmed, they're probably not going to do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, you know, um, so, uh, you know, it is these incremental changes and it's all training in a positive direction. Mm-hmm. Um, something I, Go, always go back to is when people are talking about they don't have time for their exercises, you know, 10 minutes of exercise uh, for their home program, their customized home program is like, okay, well, like, what about you doing it first thing in the morning? Because then you're already at a positive for the rest of your day, you know? Mm-hmm. So small changes. I love that. Yeah. And yeah, there's always ways to, you know, get something in. Um, and this also like, that's one of the reasons too, that with most people, I'm giving them a range, like two to four sets of this many reps of an exercise for two reasons. One, I don't want them to feel like, oh, I'm getting some discomfort at three, but she said, I'm supposed to do four sets. So I guess I'll just do it. So it gives them some flexibility that way. But also I'm like, if you only have 10 minutes, like don't do all that, like don't do four sets, do two, at least you did something. And so it kind of gives, I think it helps people mentally to just kind of be like, you know what, like I didn't fail because I didn't get all the the max number in. Like I was successful because I at least got some of them in. Yeah, they got three out of the four and that is significantly better than zero. Um, and so I, I love that and it and, and makes the program nice and flexible and it shows you're not this rigid person either right that you, you have to do four sets of 15. first of all we're in the research that <laughs> does, does, does it say that <laughs> like you have to do that um, in the first place um but yeah you know that that um that we can better meet people at where we're at or where, where they're at mm-hmm. um and and you don't want people to have failure after failure you want people to have success after success <laughs> yes <laughs> keep some Continuing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's uh, um, because it ultimately, you know, we've talked about this before, you know, is about the patient, right? It's not about us. It's not about our biases. It's not about whatever. We have our own expertise that we can share, you know, um, with people, but it is ultimately w- we have the roadmap for the person, you know, they just need to follow along that, that, that mm-hmm. path, right? Yeah. Let's take a quick break now to talk about Naboso technology. I absolutely love training barefoot for the power it gives me. But when I use Naboso, it really ups my game even more. Whether I am using the Naboso mat or using the Naboso insoles inside my shoes, that feedback it provides me onto my feet really enhance my performance. I would love for you to test out Naboso for yourself. Head over to naboso-technology.com to check out all of their amazing products 
And if you use code GETYOURFIX at checkout, you can also save 10%. You can also head over to getyourfixpt.com partners and check out Naboso and all my other great partners. Now let's get back to the conversation. While we're talking about habits, I'm curious because we you did bring up the fact that like sleep is when we recover. We need to make sure we're getting good sleep. What either you personally or like what are you talking with your clients about as far as like how to like not necessarily improve how long they're sleeping because sometimes that's not the issue, but like getting better quality of sleep. How are like what are you what are tricks that you do with people or what are those conversations you're having? Yeah, that's great. Um, great question. Yeah, you know, um, for the, the the number one thing I tell someone to do, and um, by all means, this is me working on myself as well. <laughs> um, you know, if if you do choose to consume alcohol, um, do not do it within uh, you know three to four hours of going to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, that's pretty you know, set in the research that, um, that is a recipe for poor quality of sleep. So that's like a great, a great one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm not always, you know, about, oh, well, you need to get like 10 hours of sleep every night or anything like that, but you need to schedule your sleep around, you know, whatever your habits are. There are another thing that's deep in the research. There are morning people and there are evening people. You need to identify the person you are and hopefully that jives with your life. (laughs) and (laughs) those are two important factors um and uh you know and and, and sleep accordingly right you know um i am fueled when i wake up at 5 a.m that's the most between 5 and 8 a.m are my most productive parts of my day um but that's not the case for everybody so um yeah i don't i don't go for quantity um but um i do go for for quality and how we can improve that. Um, caffeine's obviously another big one. You know, I see people down in, you know, three or four cups of coffee throughout the day. And that says a lot of things, but particularly that uh, they're probably not getting quality sleep. <laughs> Caffeine's an interesting one because um, there's a lot of research too that different people break it down differently. And so like some people can drink coffee until, or caffeine until, five or six o'clock at night and still fall asleep great. And other people, it's like, if they drink it past 10 a.m., they're screwed. <laughs> so it's yeah, really uh, interesting. We still at some of that too. No, I mean, I, I, I absolutely um, agree. Um, but, you know, as far as kind of uh, getting these uh, tinkering and, and turning these, these knobs, you know, um, I would say, uh, you know, and that's an interesting thing to research, you know, how many people are the people who can break it down and like be good by, 5 p.m. Yeah. you know um and, and how do how do we figure out who those people are i mean aside from trial and error um i, I like <laughs> right. no no i mean i i think it's uh that's an interesting interesting thing to, to think about and reflect on <laughs> that's awesome one of the big things one of the big conversations i have with people and even myself i'm pretty good about most times i'm pretty good about is like how how late into the night are you on screens mm. uh and then like, if you're on screens, are you wearing blue light glasses to at least block some of that blue light? Cause that may like that for those who don't know, all those screens you're on, don't let your melatonin production begin. And that melatonin is what makes you tired, makes what makes you sleep and what makes you actually like get deep into that deep sleep. And so it's like, if you're on screens right up until you go to bed, you aren't actually getting good quality sleep for several hours into your sleep. Yeah, your body still thinks it's daytime, mm-hmm. and we still got to go and and do stuff. Um, yeah, that, that's a that's a huge point too. And I love how you even said screens plural, <laughs> because a lot of people are sitting and watching Netflix on their big screen TV while flipping through on their tablet, while also on their phone. You know, and like not only with melatonin production, but we're also just talking about stimulation. Mm-hmm. you know, that that's a whole lot of information because it's all Facebook and action on the screen and, you know, Candy Crush on the computer, you know, <laughs> on the tablet. That's, 
I don't want people still play Candy Crush, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure any of their olds go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? <laughs> but um but yeah, you know, um now yeah, now this person just has like just this mass amount. You might as well be in Grand Central Station during rush hour, you mm-hmm. know, with, with stimulation. Um so yeah, I mean, you know, all in all with this stuff, you know, if you feel like you're not getting quality sleep, you know, just start to think of what your habits are what your sleep hygiene is, if you will. Um, and you can, you can tweak it. Right. And the best thing about sleep is we do it every night, hopefully. (laughs) And, (laughs) you know, so, so, you know, change it up the next night, right. Mm -hmm. You know, don't have that cup of coffee at, at, at noon, have only have one and then see how you sleep, you know, and, and I know we can obviously go down this rabbit hole of just kind of the end of one situation, but if something works, stick with it and see what happens. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one of the reasons I got, I went away. I went away from an e-reader for a long, for a number of reasons, but it's one of the reasons I went away from that. Cause I'm like, I didn't want to be on that right before going to bed. Cause I read before I go to bed. Um, but for people who do, um, I don't know if it's a full blue light blocker or what it has, but I do know the Kindle has less blue light to it than, than other devices. Yeah. I've, I've heard that as well. Um, and don't worry, we're not endorsed by Kindle or anything like that. It's just a great feature that they have. Um, um, and I think the iPhones have some settings as well to, to, to limit your, your blue light. Um, you also can also get glasses. I mean, last time I looked, they were $7 on Amazon, um, or, or whatever, um, online shopping you do. So, um, you know, yeah, that might be spending some money on something, but like what, is your sleep worth, you know, um, for me, my sleep is, is everything because if I don't get my adequate amount of sleep, um, it's, it's a bad day for me that next day. Yeah, I agree. Um, and even cause I think, I think on all my, other than my TV, I think all my devices, I have the blue light blocking setting on, but then even pretty much once like two or 3 PM hits, I have my blue light glasses on just because I'm like, the screens irritate my eyes and like the overhead lights put out blue light and just like everything does. And so the blue lights like super helpful for everything. Yeah. Let's also go back, zoom way out to, you know, how we evolved. We did not evolve with screens and I'm not saying screens aren't a wonderful, you know, invention and all of that, but the amount of screen time that I don't think anyone foresaw us, us, you know, us having, you know, can be detrimental and listen to your body, you know, if your eyes, Brian, you know, yeah, get, get tired or, you know, you feel some effects of that. That's, that's our bodies telling us, right? Um, so I'm glad you're making some, some strides to, you know, kind of alter that. I personally don't work on my computer typically after, after like four or 5 PM, if I can avoid it, mm-hmm. you know, um, um, so then it's just my darn iPhone that I need to throw out my window. Cut <laughs> <laughs> off. You don't need it. I I agree. What's your wife's home? You're good. Yeah, yeah, you got you got you guys can mail me if you have any questions about anything, all the listeners. <laughs> uh, my address is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. I'm curious, so that's kind of how we got in this whole conversation to start with. Um like just when when you're thinking outside the box with people, like what are maybe examples or just like how do you go about like looking at a movement pattern, like figuring out what is wrong with it, and then like in your head thinking like how can I do something like create something for this one specific problem? Gotcha. Kind of kind of like my decision tree and like kind of like where do I yeah. maybe go go with stuff. Um, <clears throat> Typically, um, you know, I, for any kind of lower body issue, I love, I love looking at the squat. I love looking at, um, some single leg balancing as well as some lunging as far as like just assessing. Cause I think it could tell us a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I try not to do is although the person is coming in, coming in for, we'll say the knee pain issue to not just look at the knee, maybe one or two reps, look at that knee, but really look at the the whole person and 
you know, I've been in the strength conditioning field for, for a long time. So, you know, I, I can, you know, luckily quickly tease out that something is going wrong. And then I use my physical therapy skills to, you know, to, to figure out what is going wrong. Um, but that's kind of how I do it. I kind of, I look at the broad overview um, and then I start zeroing in. Um, I love for people who are, again, we're just on the knee pain train. So like um, uh, squatting, I like looking at them from the front because, you know, you can see a lot going on in that frontal plane. Um, and then um, maybe going to the side, but the side's not as important to me. Um, and so it is, to answer, fully answer your question, this zoomed out going to zoomed in kind of, uh, kind of thought process. Mm-hmm. Um, that allows me to be able to look at the adjacent joints, the joints above and below, and maybe something's going on with their shoulder that's making them twist to have compensations below. I'd miss that if I was in the weeds with the knee. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then because I'm the barefoot person, um, <laughs> Are you looking at them with shoes on? Or are you looking at them barefoot? Uh, typically barefoot, of course. Um, that's a good good thing because you know I also um, I also like seeing how people are naturally moving. Um, if they have inserts in their shoes, I like to also kind of see a side by side thing. But but mostly barefoot, and then I like to look at the shoe wear patterns mm-hmm. just to see what's happening. I like their to see their casual walking shoes um, or just, you know, going out shoes as well as their uh, running shoes because we all know that, you know, your gait pattern changes as you transition from walking to running. So um, that typically does tell me a whole lot um, as well, but natural. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, how, how about yourself? Similar to yours, like, with my, I have a specific, I was actually having this conversation with someone yesterday. He was asking, it's a personal trainer, I know, but um, I have a specific kind of assessment I've created for my runners as far as to looking at single leg control um, from a static position, from a dynamic position, looking at like squats, um, and like also looking at double leg static and dynamic and just kind of like getting a good assessment for my runners of what their control looks like. Um, but then also I am like, same thing, like looking at full body, seeing like, are we breaking down the ankle, the hip, the the back, the shoulder, like where are, where are the compensations happening? And then ultimately what's creating that. Yeah. That's uh, and that's awesome. And, you know, I think that's a simple thing for anyone listening who might be trying to get a little bit more, um, information into how they move um, and maybe aren't physical therapists and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, look yourself in the mirror when you squat, you know, um, you can kind of, you know, start looking at least from side to side that something is different from the other side, mm-hmm. but you already have a lot more information than you did before. Um, and, you know, also working, uh, you know, looking as best you can at yourself walking you know, because you can see a lot of issues, potential issues, you know, kind of, kind of coming on. And, um, you know, because if you're, if you have knee pain and you're walking, you know, inadequately for, for you suboptimally, um, guess what? You could be kind of almost picking that scab in that knee and making, you know, things, uh, counterproductive, not all the time, but, you know, it's a, um, um, it's something that could be quickly changed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you mentioned lo- looking at yourself in the mirror. It's one of the reasons, like, if you don't have a mirror available, it's one of the reasons I, yes, I put it up for business purposes, too, but it's one of the reasons I film myself as much as I do. Like, I film myself much more than the videos I post. Um, and it really is to find, like, what am I compensating somewhere? Or, like, if I'm, there's one recently that I'm, like, the shoulder was bothering me. And then I was looking at the video afterwards. And I'm like, I have crazy conversations going on right now. Like, let's fix this. Um, so even if you don't have a mirror, like start filming yourself and you can play that back and see what your body's doing. Yep, exactly. Most of us have smartphones now. You just prop it up on something and just hit record and, and do some things. Because for everyone listening, you know, what we're saying is that even we who have a pretty good idea of what's going on in the body, um, you know, need some external cueing 
because we feel like we're doing it fine, you know. Uh, sometimes I'll feel like my squat is just perfect, like picture perfect. And I'll record myself. I look at it and I'm like, ooh, I'm doing that. <laughs> right. That was ugly. <laughs> but that's that perception versus reality. <laughs> the body remembers movement patterns regardless if they're good or bad and thinks it's moving beautifully when it's not. Yes, 100%. <laughs> even for us. Kind of, let's see, start wrapping it up a little bit. Anything else you want to talk about today? Um, how about, so I, I do want to kind of get your, um, um, your opinion on this, um, and maybe we can post the article um, under. Um, I was looking at this study, and they did an MRI on um, asymptomatic um, knee people, so people who have never had pain in their knee as far as the report goes um, um, in their life. And um, this was the first study, I believe, that they actually um, did it on all healthy people. And man, they found some issues. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and uh, again, we can maybe post the link below, but um, you know, you know, a, a lot of people, I won't put percentages just because I can't re remember, but um, most people had some kind of um, meniscal tear or arthritis and or arthritis in their knee. Um, I believe it's up to 80%. Um, you know, uh, a lot of people had all these different bucket handle meniscus tears and, you know, all of that kind of stuff going on, but have never had knee pain. Again, reported, you know. Um, so, you know, that was a pretty profound thing for me to, to, to see. It's like, wow, okay. A lot of people have these issues, but not everyone has pain. Mm -hmm. Maybe part of the issue is that, you know, we're only imaging, aside from the study, people who have pain. Yeah. You know, it, it brings up a conversation that I have with people um, fairly frequently and just had recently with someone too that um, showed like, cartilage damage and arthritis in the knee. And like, that's why they're having pain and all this. And I thought I'd ask them like, did they image the other side? Cause guaranteed the other side probably looks, can't guarantee it, but the other side most likely looks the same and you don't have pain. So yep. yeah, just like, and how many people, like, I know, I, I know a lot who have meniscus tears, um, MCL, ACL, not all three on the same person. Um, but hopefully not have known tears, never had surgery and like rehab themselves and are fully functional training at a high level. One's a triathlete. Um, um, and I also train with him at CrossFit. Um, and so it's like, and I share these stories with people who are telling me they have issues and like, I need surgery and all this. And it's like, do we really like, because yeah, people like these issues are simply found because in most people, these issues are found because they have pain and they go get scans. But how long have those issues been there prior to pain showing up? We, for mo the vast majority of people, we have no way of knowing that, you know, the 50 year old who's coming in to see us, that they didn't tear their meniscus when they were 14, mm -hmm. that they weren't born with, you know, some asymmetries and some, some things like that. Right. Although now, they're feeling pain and of course they're attributing it to them working in the garden a couple weeks before that led them to get the MRI, then the torn meniscus diagnosis. And now they're seeing us, you know, um, we don't have a pre and post test and without a pre and post test, I don't think we can conclusively say is that they're working in the garden. Yeah. You know, um, I'd say if you got in a car accident, pretty good chance that there's some issues that arose from the car accident. But outside of that, um, I'm not, I'm not always buying it. First um, to that too, like, you know, I've dealt with, with it myself and I have someone I'm working with right now who's, who's dealing with the same thing. It's like, technically there's no diagnosis. Like scans are showing up perfectly fine. Like nothing's wrong. Maybe like it's showing irritation inflammation now because like pain and things have developed, but like damage wise, there's nothing. And so I think we have to remember on the opposite too. It's like, we don't always like as coaches and clinicians to fix something like we don't say need a diagnosis. We are going to improve whatever movement patterns are creating compensation, soft tissue restrictions, that sort of thing. 
um, because we don't always get an answer, but that doesn't mean that we can't resolve things either. Like we don't need to necessarily, sometimes, yes, there are definitely some that's like, you know what, things still aren't making sense. Like let's get a different type of test or something or a second opinion. But um, so many times it's like, we don't need like a diagnosis necessarily to fix whatever's going on. And, you know, I, I totally do. Um, and yeah, I'm definitely in that camp, you know, um, with some of my people, you know, I do say, Hey, your knee is just angry at you because this, that, and the other anger quote unquote is not a diagnosis, a medical diagnosis. Um, but I mean, I guess maybe it could be, but in, in another context, but <laughs> you know, I, um, but you know, there's something going happening up the chain, down the chain at the knee, whatever that is creating these issues in your perception and your feeling of, of pain. And let's, let's address that, you know? Um, and a lot of people, you know, do come to us, you know, who have had just completely negative imaging findings. They said that a little bit of arthritis maybe, and that, that's it. Um, and, and so what now, you know, um, and that's when we systematically try to get to the bottom of, again, going back to what I said before, those signs, that might be contributing, creating these symptoms. Um, so I think that's a wonderful point. It's talking about the opposite of, you know, the uh, the, the diagnosis on the uh, on the image. Yeah, I'm glad they did one because I've seen a study like that for um, back issues, but I had never seen one for the knee. So I'm glad there's one for the knee now. Yeah. And, and, and I, I hope this isn't bashing any profession or any of that kind of stuff. Cause I think everyone is important in their own way, but like, I really hope we continue doing more of these things, these, uh, these kind of studies just to just see how common these things are. You know, yeah. if, if, you know, I know some of the back studies, you know, they said, you know, a lot of people in that study who've never had back pain had disc herniations and degeneration and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, maybe that's okay. Maybe that's just a normal thing. And if that's normal, we shouldn't be putting labels on it to cause more fear for people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I told you about my story, I believe, I'm not sure if I've shared it on this podcast, um, if I may. Go for it. I appreciate it. You know, um, uh, I was a hockey and rugby player my whole life. Um, um, well, more hockey than rugby, but I played some serious contact sports. <laughs> um, I, uh, in college, it was like my second to last year of undergrad. Um, I was in kinesiology, study human movement, and I started having a lot of tightness in my in my leg. I didn't know what, what was going on. It was really, really uh, strange. I tried to stretch it out, none of that worked. So I ended up going to the um, uh, to my medical doctor to see what was going on. You know, he took an MRI. He came into the room, and he was like, Matthew don't know how to tell you this, but you have two herniated discs in your back. And at that time, when a doctor comes in, in general to, to, to me like that, uh, that's a very disconcerting thing. Um, and at that time, I wasn't in PT school. I didn't know what was going on with that. I'm like, well, what does that mean? You know, <laughs> he's like, well, if you care about your back, you'll never lift anything again. And I was like, oh my gosh, that was like devastating. I was like, you know, 20, to 23 years old, you know, at that time. And, um, you know, guess what? My pain got way worse after that diagnosis. I started walking around and needed a hockey stick as a crutch because I was a broke college kid and couldn't afford crutches. Um, you know, just, just everything got, got way worse and, and, uh, and, and all of that. And so, you know, I'm saying all this because there's a time and a place for these things, but at times we could, as a our profession, any profession, be um, giving people some very limiting and negative beliefs about what's going on with their body, when in all actuality, it could be a very common thing. Um, so just something to kind of reflect on, you know, uh, that I reflect on frequently, um, about how are we talking to people and are we saying you have two herniated discs, but that's a normal thing for, you know, people in your age group or whatever the case is. Yeah keep it moving. Yeah. 
words, especially in that context, make so much difference. And it's why, you know, I make it a point to have those conversations with people when they do say, like, this is my diagnosis. This is what I have. It's like, all right, cool. What are we going to do about it? Like, is this going to be your death sentence or are you ready to do what needs to be done? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love it. And it's like, okay, so you have this diagnosis. You're going to get surgery? Oh, no, no, no. Like, I'm not a surgery person. I'm not trying to do that. Okay. Well, this is our option. <laughs> you know, like this, this is where we're at, you know, um, and, and, and I love that. And, and so we can touch on that and acknowledge that their diagnosis is their diagnosis and valid and all of that. Um, but we got to keep it moving. Yeah. It's not, don't do anything again for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, cause I don't think we need any, any more reasons in America, particularly to, to be sedentary. Uh, yeah. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I know you are on a tight schedule and I am as well. Kind of close things out a little bit. Matthew, where can people find you? Yeah. Um, so you can find us on all social media. Um, if you just type in auto nest therapies, uh, that's a U T O hyphen N E S S therapies. Um, please anyone who, um, you know, has any questions, concerns, criticisms, any of that kind of stuff, please reach out. You know, we'd love to have a, um, a conversation, you know, um, about this. Um, but I hope this made sense to people, especially the point at the end that, you know, you are not always your diagnosis. You are rarely your diagnosis. Um, and uh, if you need help, please just uh, just reach out. And if he responds after 5 p.m. PST, feel free to call him out. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> got me. Got me. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm accountable now. <laughs> You're welcome. That's funny. That's funny. Thanks, Brianne. I, I, I guess I appreciate that. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me again today. We will definitely do this again in the near future. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I love doing this. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation. And before I close out, I have two questions for you. Do you feel like you're in a plateau with your progress? Or do you feel like you're stuck in an injury cycle? Both of these issues are very common and both of them can be fixed very easily. Most often, both of these issues come down to how you're training, or more importantly, what's missing in your training. By figuring out what's missing and adding that in, your training performance will improve, your racing performance will improve, and your injury cycle will break. I invite you to get on a free 30-minute consultation call with me to discuss what's going on with you, your life, your training, so we can really figure out what needs to be done to improve that. So head over to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash doc to book a free call with me. Thank you again for listening today. I greatly appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.